Hello, and welcome new players. Um, this is Simeon from the Dial H4 Heroclix podcast, and this is our little mini-series that we've combined into a very long series, uh, but it's only one episode, um, and hopefully this will teach the very new, very beginners, the, the newest of the new, to Heroclix, uh, a little bit more about Heroclix, and that was our goal. Hopefully we reached something with it. Uh, hopefully we will impart some wisdom on you and maybe make your experience a little bit easier, your transition into this very interesting game of Heroclix. So without further ado, um, just going to go ahead and clip into our previous episodes that have all been jumbled into one long single episode for your listening pleasure. Um, if you listen and you'd like more content, you can subscribe to us. And if you have other questions, you can just send them to us. And uh, we're not super busy guys, so we'll probably answer them. So, you know, if we didn't cover something that you'd like to know more about, feel free to shoot us a message. And uh, I'm going to stop rambling, because Calder's got to do his intro stuff. So, here we go. So, you screwed up. You know what you did was wrong. The question is, how are you going to make things right? Maybe you were trying to be cool. Take it from a guy who's been frozen for 65 years. The only way to really be cool is to follow the rules. And follow the rules you shall. In the very first episode, uh, we're going to talk about, so you know what Heroclix is. How do we get started? From the most basic, basic of starts. From the humblest of beginnings. Simeon, you want to go ahead and give us step one on getting started in the game. By WizKids so, of Heroclix. Step step one in your Heroclix journey, um, you need to find a place to play. So whether it's at home with friends or family, or if you're going to go out and about and find a shop, the best way to like find a place to play is using the win system. Um, one of the best ways, I should say, to find a place to play. Uh, so if you go to your old Google engine search box type in the bar area if you type in uh hero clicks win system it'll pop up the win system and from there you can search stores that use the win system which i think is most almost every venue i've ever been to uses the win system you'll find uh events like tournaments and stuff like that but it's a great way to find the closest store to you is jumping on there Fantastic. I'm going to provide a little bit of a different take on it because for the longest time, uh, I never actually had a venue. So this wasn't my step one. And the way that, that I used to find a local shop was through Facebook because they didn't have an account on the win. And a lot of the times when I would sometimes use the win, and this is like five years ago. Okay, it's like seven years ago. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> they... um. They wouldn't have shops show up, or the shops would be old. It would be kind of outdated sometimes. Uh, it's pretty much up to date nowadays, uh, but also shops that played Hero Clicks and didn't use the win. So I normally type in the city I'm going to, and followed quickly, quickly by Hero Clicks Group or Hero Clicks of or whatever. And that is how I found uh, the Who's Hobby in Rapid City, which was my first venue I ever went to for Hero Clicks. They put nothing on the win 
absolutely none of it. But they still ran clicks events every single week. So I, I just found them by using Facebook. If you have a Facebook, I think it's a great resource. I put all of Sioux Falls' events on yeah, our Facebook, Heroclix of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Devin puts all of his events, Happy Little Heroclix puts all their events on the Omaha um, for Krypton on their Facebook group. So finding a Facebook group is really key because sometimes they don't get the win updated like right away for each new event each week. And instead, looking at the Heroclix group to figure out what you're going to be playing next week is huge. So uh, Facebook also with the win is just the best way to find a new venue near you and also just like googling game stores and stuff because sometimes venues have their own like month-long schedules on their websites for some places which is ridiculous i know crazy all that planning for hero clicks insane all right i got a venue i know where i can play now what do i do all right so once you get to a venue and you so like let's say they they have a facebook group um, or they're on the wind system, and you get to the venue, uh, you can ask them, like, hey, what times do you guys play? Like, when do you, like, set up? What do you, like, you know, uh, figure out, like, who runs the events, stuff like that. But what you're going to need when you show up to that venue is you're going to need figures. So step two in your Heroclix journey is getting some figures to play with. All right. So my what suggestion... Do you, what do you recommend? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I've got we've got a couple suggestions here, but um, my suggestion is always that uh, there's there's starters that'll come with like a map and figures and dice sometimes, and sometimes you'll even get like a rule book and stuff like that. So keep an eye out for those. You might get a new one, you might grab an old one, um, but those are always a decent way to get started. Uh, my second suggestion, and this is how I did it, was I went and bought a, when I very first started, I went and bought a common, common, uncommon, and rare, which is one of each figure and each of those rarities from the Wolverine and the X-Men set, because Wolverine is one of my favorite characters, and X-Men is one of my favorite teams. So that would be my suggestion. Get figures from sets that you really like, and find uh, like teams that you really like in the comics, or whatever brought you to Heroclix. And then just build from there. All right, so sort of a side tangent, really quick. Wolverine's your favorite because you're also short and hairy. Just assume. I'm just gonna yes. make that assumption. Okay. Uh, second and of I all, have bone claws. Oh wow, I've never. Wow, only so if man, they're I didn't broken. know that. You should have put that on your resume. Jeez, I mean that would have yeah. just made the it's only hiring if, like, process much It's faster. only if my regular bones are broken, then they become real sharp, and I can slash people with them. Ugh. That seems uh, incredibly painful for both you and them. Uh, moving on. Uh, so getting figures is is huge. What I did, I didn't get a curse set. Uh, when I got figures, I went to Cool Stuffing and actually a few other miniature sites because that was the way it be sometimes. And I just went and I bought like whatever, also using HC Realms, whatever Captain America I thought was cool. Uh, Black Friday was huge because you could get a bunch of singles for relatively cheap. So I know it's already come and gone, but also just wait for sales for singles. Or if you think they're cheap enough, you know, 50, 40 cents, whatever, uh, that's fine too. But I just bought a ton of Captain Americas because when I got in the game, the Iron Man 3 set was out, the uh, Avengers set was out. I'm like, I have too many Iron Men. Why don't I just have this many? I only have one Captain America from that starter set. This is wrong. So I went out and now I have every Captain America. 
uh, the way it should be. So buy like all of your favorite characters. That's what I did. I didn't even care. I bought a bunch of stuff that wasn't modern. Why? Doesn't matter. Hammer Thor Captain America is still amazing. So just buy figures you like. They don't have to be good figures. They don't even have to be current figures if your venue plays a lot of Golden Age or even if you just want to play for fun, which is what this game is about. Buy your favorite character. There's no reason that just because I came in during the game when Black Panther and Illuminati was out, I don't have to play with Namor and Black Bolt if I don't want to. I can play with whoever I want. I just got to you know do a little bit of legwork. You know, I don't have to play with what's always current. I need to play with what's fun. So find your personal favorite characters, your favorite teams. Uh, I've like built a team and I'm like, all right, I'm going to buy each of these because they're from this comic book and this is the only version of them that exists. And then they'll get clicks a month later, which is still cool. And they're better that way. So buy the best figures, the worst figures, whatever. Buy the ones that you want to play, the teams you want to play, the stuff you enjoy. Uh, besides the starter, getting the most current one and getting maps is huge. You'll need action tokens. If you buy a action token pack, that's really cool. I Right now, as they're recording this, the I think the latest starter that has the real pack and everything is the EarthX starter. I might be wrong. I don't know if the Star Trek one had one or not. Uh, but the EarthX starter has two really good maps, uh, some cool figures, plus the current rulebook, uh, as up-to-date as it gets. And then they also have really cool action tokens. If you like EarthX, action tokens and dice are really dope. Uh, but there's tons of action token and dice. There's tons of people, Big Bully Gaming, all that stuff that make action tokens and dice for you to get. And also fish beads and generic poker chips. I had Cabela's poker chips for the longest time. It's just what I used because those are the first poker chips I ever bought. So just you need action tokens. They're not the most readily available thing for playing the game, but you physically need them to play the game <laughs> to mark your figures. That is always huge. I also recommend getting a line of fire tool. I didn't have it for the longest time because for the majority of the time, line of fire is pretty easy to find. It's only when it gets really hairy and you're like, man, I think it'd be really cool to make this shot. But physically, I don't know. I have a Army Painter line of fire tool. It's the laser pointer one. It's 10 bucks, which is kind of feels a little bit spendy, but you're literally using it every single time you play, multiple times a day. So I like getting a line of fire tool. And then if you even get past that, besides just figures, uh, a clicks tray, you don't need to. I used my hat for the longest time. Like, it's really not that necessary. But Trollworks, along with Jeremiah Peterson and several other people, make really cool clicks trays if you're playing humongous teams and you need them to uh, carry your team around. And you can go more into that too. I kind of spewed off from figures, uh, but yeah. So for what I what I use is uh, when I first started, um, I had a tackle box that I kept all my figures in. Tackle boxes work great. Uh, so do toolboxes. They can fit a lot of figures. They can fit your action tokens, your dice, and that's what I've currently done. Is I have a bunch of stackable um, toolboxes, or not really toolboxes, but just like tool carriers, and. Uh, yeah, so you um, grabbing one of those, you can actually, if you're careful enough, you can actually balance most of your stuff on top of one of those and use that to carry them as well. Right. If you don't want to get too invested too fast. But I bye, think that's bye, a good bye. way to um, get, uh, get started. Um, also, while you're at a new venue, a lot of times they'll have common, uncommon, uh, maybe even a couple like rares that they have just laying around that they don't want anymore. Um, if you like mentioned that you're a new player, a lot of times in my experience, people will offer to bring like other stuff or they'll be willing to trade you or sell you some stuff for like cheaper than what you would get online. So uh, keep an eye out for that at venues as well. Right on. And yeah, yeah. Comments on comments are obviously cheapest, cheapest 
and easiest way to get into it. I also use uh, these like Dewalt boxes or whatever they are. They're they're yellow and black. I'm kind of assuming they're Dewalt at this point. I honestly don't remember that they clip together, so I could physically stack them to the heavens because they just keep clipping together. And I use these to keep figures that are just old, whatever, from other sets. Those are just great for overall storage. And now I have these bigger like they're not Tupperware containers, but like little storage containers that I use to put complete sets in. Uh, and how you organize is obviously totally up to you. I used to have deck boxes because I thought, yeah, the cards, they go in a deck box. So I used to, just used to have like all these millions of little deck boxes for like different subsets of the box. So I would put the figures in the box and then I would say, these are the figures that are in this container of the box, number one or whatever. Those All those cards would go in that deck box and so on and so forth. And now I uh, there's also card books with the card sleeves and stuff you can put them in i don't think you necessarily need those for hero clicks likewise like less is more and i think those take up too much room for like what hero clicks cards like they're not like display pieces they're just like information whatever like the 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 figure is the display like that's the cool part the sculpt is awesome the card itself is not the thing you really want to display so i just i used a a binder for a long time and yeah. I will suggest everyone doesn't do that yeah. and instead you just get like a deck box and like if you've got a full set like of like let's say you've got a full set of earth x and you put all your cards in one like card box for earth x if you need to pull one out you just put them in like set number from one to the highest of the set yeah. goes and you just uh, flip through them until you find the right one and until you get that many, you can just keep them all in the same box. That way, you know where they're all at. So I will also recommend you not getting card sleeves right away. That's what I did. I was like, I only have like 15, 20 something hero clicks. Get them all card sleeves. And then after a while, you'll get so many, you're not going to sleeve every card. Ridiculous. What a, what a fool's errand that turned out to be getting a card sleeve for everything. They're still cool. Like if you have a couple of cards that you really want to put in card sleeves or like, this is my team for the week, put them all on one card sleeve. Absolutely. But those aren't necessary to starting the game. We got organization, finding a venue, getting figures. What else? I think that's it for this week. I think that's good. Yeah. I think it's, I think we'll, we'll move into uh, like how to find good deals and getting started like trading and stuff in later episodes. Absolutely. Uh, I think next episode we should probably cover the basics of gameplay. That sounds fantastic. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in to the first episode of New Clicks on the Block. That's what we're calling it. No ifs, buts, or ands about it. And now we can go ahead and move on to the rest of the show. Hey, so you skipped forward in time, huh? For everybody else that listened to the full thing, that's going to sound weird. But you skipped to right now. Well... Without further ado, let's get into the... The rules! Tell us about the rules, Simeon. The rules of the game. Fundamentals of which this game is built on. So you got your figures, you got your dice and tokens, and your venues, and your popsicle sticks. I don't know what you're using for line of fire, but you got your stuff. Uh, So what you need now is to know how to play the game. And so the best place... In my in my opinion, the best place to find the rules is if you just Google. A lot of like my suggestions are just Google. The uh, if you so just helpful. Google WizKids or not WizKids, just type in Hero Clicks rules. It'll the first uh, very first result will most likely just be direct to the Win system, and it's got all their PDF files. You can look at the 
the powers and ability card. You can look at the 2019 rules, the uh, comprehensive rules, and there's like a little addendum that you can look at as well. Um, that'll get you a good start. That is not the be-all, end-all of the rules because they're constantly changing and figures are constantly changing. But that's the best place um, to get your own copy. In addition to that, you can just buy a starter set um, and you'll get whatever that starter set came with, which if you buy a newer one should be the 2018 rules. If you buy something older, hopefully it's not anything older than the 2017 rules because yeah. that was when the real big update happened. And you can make buy with the 2017 rules, but you really want to get something that's got the 2018 ones. Um, I don't know which ones... I don't think Earth X had those. It had a, so it, it had would just be book. Black Panther. Uh, Earth X had a rulebook. Okay, yeah, yeah. so it'd be it yeah, Earth X and book. like forward. So like Earth X, um, maybe Rebirth. I don't know if their starter had <sighs> one. Fast Forces, but also it's Rebirth. So who bought any of that set? It was a fast. It was a fast. <laughs> I want to say though. it was basically a <laughs> yeah. Fast Forces because that whole set was kind of dialed back to like something that didn't make sense yeah um and then beyond that uh the tabletop teacher is i think WizKids like main go-to youtube channel guy for rules and he's got a lot of like pretty friendly user-friendly uh intro level videos on how to start the game and so that's another good resource if you're more of a visual learner and you don't want to read through all the books you can get the rules from there. Who wants to read anymore? Huh. No, but it is really important because he, he does upload content. I personally uh, haven't watched a lot of it because by the time I think I even knew who he was, I was already kind of playing the game. But it is an absolutely amazing uh, resource for new players, just like how this episode of Nucleus on the Block is an amazing resource for new players uh, that want to get into the game and they need more of a visual uh, help or guide instead of just reading. I know... Uh, let's just actually keep going before we get into how we learned, I suppose. Yeah, so I, I'm i going to say um, just straight up reading like the rules book, which is what I, I did try and do that um, when I first started. But um, just doing that like alone isn't going to be enough because not, there's so yeah. many different rules interactions that you're really going to need like a good a good team of people behind you, whether it's uh, the tabletop teacher or whether it's the guys at your own venue, which is what I usually suggest, is get a good venue, people that are actually willing and wanting to like teach new players how to play to get them to keep coming back. And that's your best resource for it. So, what do you think, what do you think Calder? What's the best, worst way to learn the game? I think the worst way is thinking that just baptism by fire buying figures be like i'll figure it out as i play that's the worst way i think it's helpful i think you should still get that hands-on experience even if you aren't 100 sure but you shouldn't just buy figures and be like look people kind of you know I, I get moving whatever people will explain it to me that's definitely the worst way the best way i think i i read the pack and i read the rule book over and over and over again so i didn't have a venue to play at for the longest time 
And even I still didn't get it. I find videos very helpful. I watched a lot of Glass Cabinet Hobbies videos when he was making them, so tabletop teacher videos or whoever in the future is making uh, videos whenever you listen to this. Uh, absolutely check those out. Those are amazing. I find them very helpful explaining powers like uh, energy explosion, running shot, you know, things that combo with running shot, things that combo with charge, hypersonic, etc. are very important. Uh, I know when I first saw energy explosion, I was like, this is the most broken power in the universe. It's officially my favorite. <laughs> you know, I just, so that was really cool. So yeah, I learned a lot from like videos and then it just really helped because I realized no matter how much I read or whatever, if I'm not playing the game, I'm really not learning. So go out and play, be, be totally confident. No, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Just, just go out and play. And honestly, a lot of venues you go to, if you say, Hey guys, I'm new. And they're like, Oh, we're kind of doing a weird format. I guarantee one person will, will sit down with you and kind of play and teach you a you know, more friendly kind of casual game. So just really go out and play, but with the knowledge and resources of knowing what most of the powers do, maybe not with the combo with, but at least like pulse wave, you know, I'd say, Oh, what that, what's that one do? You know, like, that's probably a bad example, but like leadership. Oh, what's leadership do? Let me look it up in my pack really quick. It's like, you know, just read through it a couple of times. So you have a pretty good understanding of each power. You know, you don't have to be able to rattle off, you know, telekinesis, choose option A to move a character, whatever. It's like, no, I can move something six squares, you know, simplistic version of it. Just kind of work it through in your head how it makes sense. Because the description sometimes is really weird on these powers. You know, just get it what feels natural to you. That's what I would say is the best way to do it. For sure. I, yeah, I agree. Um, I think the best is a little bit of, you know, a little bit of everything. Um, definitely don't just try and, like, ham-fist your way through the rules. And don't listen to somebody if they tell you that it's just like a and d encounter. And, you know, like, you roll for initiative and then you just move and attack and stuff like that. Because that person's just wrong if they tell you that. Um, I, I think the worst way to learn is to like show up to a tournament and try and like slog your way through a tournament which uh is how i tried to learn so oh, like, boy i came in i didn't have a pack i didn't have a rule book all i had was like a few figures and i showed up one night and they're like hey it's the last month of war of light nobody's playing like regular but you can play this and so i forced my like four opponents that night to like basically go through like 50 minutes of yeah 50 minutes of like wow i just i just want to like play like you know tournament style and just like crush this guy and move on to like my next opponent but instead they were like no you can't do that you have to do this and like you know that like kind of like having to walk me through the whole thing um but yeah youtube uh your venue um learn by yourself those are like the three big ones um and once you get the basic rules down, how to move, how to place, how to attack, like how to roll, stuff like that, you need to start paying attention. So I would suggest, I guess, play without powers, like maybe practice with yourself without powers a few times. Just get like the basic like movements down, uh, the turn sequence, you know, like how many actions you get a turn, all that, get that down. And then start introducing powers, and with powers come great responsibility, Calder. That's not a quote that's overused. Nope, never heard of that uh, one before. <laughs> so, we need to know what powers stack, and which powers can be used in conjunction with each other. Ooh. Because 
this game is all about throwing a ton of powers on a character, and then you can only use half of them at a time. <laughs> so, what would you tell me if I said I wanted to charge flurry blades? Yep, sure thing. Go for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Charge gives you a close, so you got to pay attention to whether it's capital close or lowercase close. And I have to say, this or, is a lot easier than it used to be. <laughs> now they all have these yeah, big, yeah, yeah. big all-caps letters, you know, close, range, power. Those are very helpful in determining which powers work together. So those are like your first little clues in helping you out right there for sure. Keep going. And occasionally, you'll the reason why you want to get this down pat you want to like really get a good grip on this is you'll get those weird wonky special characters that can use different stuff with different powers so we've got a speed force deathstroke who has hypersonic and normally with hypersonic it's a close or range attack plain vanilla close or range attack with this with the speed force deathstroke he's uh able to use like energy explosion and I think he's got a few other options that he can use with his specialized one his specialized hypersonic so you really want to figure out you know which powers grant capital close which ones give lowercase close which ones are a power action which ones are a move action which ones are a free action free action is a big one because you can only do it once per turn um, you can only activate a free once per turn and a lot of the time, you're going to want to activate all the free powers that you have yeah. access to. Yeah. Um, so you got like sidestep, outwit, perplex, all of, all of those you can use before an attack. You could sidestep up, perplex somebody down, outwit their defense, and then charge. What you can't do is charge and then outwit, or you can't like running shot, get into range of right. them. And then outwit, then perplex. It's got to be done before you begin that action thing. Um, but yeah, you've got you've got like running shot that gives you the ability to use a lot of your attack powers. You've got charge that gives you the ability to use a lot of your attack powers. And then you've got hypersonic that doesn't stack with most of the attack powers. Um, actually, it only stacks with I think two of the attack powers. Um, but it's still good. Uh, just make sure you read through there and you get a good grasp on what those powers entail. Most of the time, damage powers are going to be more passive right. or free. So, like Prob, it's a passive power. It does not require a free action. You still can only do it once per turn, but that's because the power says that, not because yes. it's free. Um, so, it doesn't have to be activated like a normal free action. And then going from those powers, so those that's something that you're really going to have to work through, I would say, with other people, because you might practice with yourself like all day long and then find out that you weren't using uh, like leadership right, or you weren't using perplex correctly, or whichever. Um, and so when once you start playing with like other players, and they start pointing out like, hey, you can't. You can't charge flurry exploit. That's one of the big ones. Right. You can yeah. charge exploit. You can charge flurry. You can't charge flurry exploit. Um, so that's one of the big ones that doesn't stack. And if you read into what each power grants you, you'll realize why those kind of things don't mm -hmm. stack. 
And to go along with that, um, is there any is there any other power stuff that you want to talk about? No, I think you basically covered it. It's just really important understanding like which ones can be used together, even if they don't feel like they can. Like how mind control is closer range, so it might feel weird, but you can absolutely charge with it. You know, make a close attack mind control, even though it doesn't feel right. Stuff like that, just really wonky ones. You know, things that don't stack with running yeah. a lot. Most of the Range-related powers, energy explosion, pen blast, pulse wave don't stack at all with running shot. You can't uh, penetrating psychic blast, energy explosion anymore. <laughs> so there's just a lot of weird interactions like that that were changed over the years uh, for balance sake. But once you learn these powers, you know, and playing without powers might feel slow, uh, especially if you are a veteran player and you're teaching someone how to play. It feels really, really painfully slow playing without powers at all, you know. Some figures seem just terribly weak and all sorts of stuff. But once you start playing with powers, you understand how the game flows so much better, and you understand why knowing combos, like, sure, charge is great. You're like, wow, I'm just blown away. I can move and attack. That's amazing. Uh, but being able to move and attack and then make two attacks is, like, a thousand times better. So understanding all the combos and what your characters and figures are fully capable of is just, just absolutely huge for the base understanding of the game. Definitely. And then to go along with that, um, there's like a very basic like setup of how you want to place your figures when you start a game. So you've got this big wide open starting area, and you might think like, well, I want to put my three attackers like on each edge. That way, I can like control you know each section of the map. Um, that's not always like a bad idea. Sometimes that works. It depends on the map and yeah. it depends on your opponent's force. But your Figures might have powers, so you'll want to like pay attention to this. On top dial, you might have a Captain America that's got leadership, and you might place your Iron Man like two squares away, and then you move them both up. And if you don't put that Iron Man next to Captain America, well, when you roll for leadership and you get that five or six, you're not going to be able to take the action token off of Iron Man because he's not adjacent. So you're going to want to pay attention to little things like that. Leadership's a big one. People with the flight symbol instead of the boot symbol. Uh, make sure you're placing them, when you start the game, make sure you place them next to somebody with the boot symbol because uh, you can taxi them up. You just carry them up, and the person with the boot symbol doesn't get an action token for that turn. They can't do anything else other than free actions, but they're a little bit closer to the enemy, and they're one action token less than they would be normally. So... Make sure when you're when you're placing and you're you're putting your like little formations out there that you've got kind of like a a little like bit of an ebb and flow to it. Um, there's a lot of powers that are like uh, there's empower and enhancement, which are both passive powers, and on the surface they don't do anything for the figure that has them, but man, do they pack a punch if you place them correctly. Right, absolutely. One of the like worst things I see is having like your flyer a, a space or two and not net, you know, just not adjacent to someone who they should carry. It's like, ah, I forgot to place them there at the beginning. I'm like, yeah, you know, I I've kind of subscribed to the idea now where my team setup is like the team clump. I just clump everyone together, front row, whatever it is. And then I just move out from there. I I used to do I used to do what you said before. Uh, put one guy in the middle, one guy on the far edge, one guy on the other edge, and it's just not the most effective way of 
of really doing things. Uh, and I, that's how I used to play all the time. And now I'm like, no, you know, I've got three Captain Americas on the team. They should all just be next to each other for leadership. Like, that's just the best way to be. Even though I had one Captain America that I could do it anywhere. Either way, uh, it's good to have those passive powers just as useful as possible. Just get the most use out of them. That is the best way to do it. Flight, etc. All of that. I think that was all just good advice. For sure. Um, so to go along with, like, the that kind of, like, team formation kind of, like, placing correctly um your basic team builds depending on like what you build to we'll go over formats here in a little bit but depending on what you build to your basic team build can be everything from like a one-man army you just put like hey we're playing 300 points this guy's dial says that he has a 300 point line so you click him to that and that's what you're playing you're playing just that one guy and man you're hoping you roll well um you can go from that to like a tent pole where you've got, you know, maybe this guy's only 200 points, but then I've got three guys that are like 30 points each and they're going to boost him up and like help him out. So you've got, you've got your big guys. Um, then you can do things like my favorite kind of team build is like swarm team where you just have a bunch of cheap cannon fodder and they don't survive if they get hit. You know, most of the time, uh, just this last week, I played I played a bunch of uh, foot tech. Um, just a ton of foot clan ninja stuff. And they're all about three clicks deep, maybe four clicks deep if you pay a little bit more. But they're also super cheap, so they're like 15 points, 25 points. And their one downside is they don't have a great taxi. So... What you have to do is kind of just, you know, you want to place your guys with passive powers, your enhancement, your uh, empower. You want to put them, like, in certain areas. And then you want to put all the ones that you're okay with, like, dying in one turn up in front of them to protect. Right. And stuff like that. No, absolutely. And then, uh, is there any... I know I'm missing a couple team builds, but what what's a team build that you would normally run? Other than tentpole, one man army, or like swarm. Tentpole, one man army, or swarm. Besides those, hmm. I do a lot of uh, sort of like not really. Is I don't know if this is swarm, but more like mini attacker groups. Like there's one clear. This guy carries this guy. This guy carries that guy, and they sort of support each other, and they can both kind of go on their own. Something simple like that, where it's really just more of a what you would call kind of like a sixes competitive style team. If you're like familiar, like video game sort of like lingo where you have like a main attacker, a secondary attacker, like a super basic team build one person that's a taxi slash support one healer of some kind. And then one, uh, really tertiary, tertiary attacker niche niche character is kind of like one of the more, uh, other familiar team builds where it's like, I just want to play all these characters. Like if I wanted to play the, uh, this is probably a bad one, but Serpent Society. They're all just kind of good attackers, okay attackers. They have one or two uh, that more excel at it, so you would play like those two plus one or two support figures uh, like that, basically, is a very common team build I run all the time, since that seems to be a lot of their comic-accurate figures are slewn into that if they have that keyword more filled out. The Thunderbolts, I imagine, soon. The old Thunderbolts were very filled out that way, you know, I know, like, teams like the Wrecking Crew weren't at all. They were all just like, I attack, and he attacks, and he also attacks. And we, we just all attack, 
and we all just are close and that's all we can do you know so depending on how you build um that's pretty huge by keyword and everything and understanding how all that flows together but for my basic team composition for more casual you know comic accurate teams it's normally about one or two really good attackers with you know a few support here and there definitely yeah so kind of like a like tent pole but you split the tent pole into like split two tents, or three yeah. um, it's like two two little poles holding up the tent together yeah occasionally like you'll be like hey this tent pole's great but i want like an outwit well like here's a 75 point piece what that has outwit but also can be a decent attacker and so now like maybe your tent pole is less of a tent pole and more of like a like a three-pronged attack because you've got support powers that can also double as like your attackers um so that's yeah i know when i very first started i tried a scientist theme team and it was all just support powers and i didn't really have a solid attack like there wasn't a damage dealer that I had on the Ooh. team and it was also very slow and that was a rough night for me so like I, I never I never played Egghead after that game because <laughs> no I, I feel like uh, Egghead is hilarious like Hank Pym is just you know how dare you play Egghead uh. um, but that takes us to so well, I guess we'll yeah, we'll just go over your basic formats that you would play in. So let's say you show up to a casual event. Your typical formats, um, they're going to be like a point-based kind of build. So if you see it on Facebook, if you see it on the win system, it'll say, like, this build is 300 points. Well, if you look at your figures on their handy little dial there or on the card, uh, it'll tell you how many points that character is. You can sometimes have a character that's worth 200 or 175 or 50. You've got like three different lines to choose from. And as long as you start them on that specific line every time, that is the point they are for that whole thing. Um, building up to like a 500 point team, you can play like some bigger guys and then some smaller guys to help them out. And then once you get your point builds figured out, uh, all you really need for that is like a calculator and a decent idea. Then you can go into what kind of event it is. So our, our normal event, our modern, which is just sets that haven't rotated. Heroclix is a collectible game that does have a two-year rotation on the main sets and a three-year rotation on con exclusives. Um, occasionally, some stuff makes it past one of the rotations for one reason or another, and some of Calder's favorite stuff gets retired early. That's right. So, <laughs> so those now go into Golden. So if you go to a Golden event, you can play things like Felix Faust that have been retired early. Um, you can play things like Sentry Void. You can play... All the greatest pieces that have ever been and ever will be in Golden. You can also play anything that's still modern in Golden. But in Modern, it's only the newest stuff from this point to two years back. Um, HC Realms is a great 
I, I don't know why I didn't say this off the top, yeah. but when you're doing a build, if you go to the HC Realms units section, you can filter by anything that you're... pretty much anything that your venue will say. So if they say it's golden, it's this point value, it's got to have like a named keyword, it's got to have this or that, blah, blah, blah. You can go into the units section and you can hit whether it's golden age or modern. You can hit whether you want to figure that's 400 points or 500 points or less than 100 points or whatever you want. You can filter by all that stuff. Um, so, oh, and then I guess, so there's modern golden age. There's some variations on golden age, which will restrict it a little bit. And then uh, I guess we'll just go over our favorite, like some favorite of uh, formats that you've played calder uh probably my favorite format i like golden golden is like super close to my all-time favorite golden with conditions is absolutely my favorite some people call this silver or apparently copper never heard that before but uh we call normally we call it silver age which is like golden figures only no none of the extra equipment relics resources whatever none of that crazy stuff I just want to play some good old-fashioned figures I haven't been able to play in a while. And I love Golden, because I still buy Golden Age figures, because they're just characters that I really like, or I think they might do some neat combos with newer figures. So I'm, I'm always on the lookout for really fun Golden Age figures I can add in my collection. That lets me play all my zombies that I like to play. It lets me play my Hammer of Thor Captain America, and just figures that I just I love to death and will never let go, no matter how ancient they are or how bad their stats might be. You know, that's why double perplexes and you know three weasels on a team is a thing because i want them to be good gosh darn it i don't care how many points i have to sink into it i just want howard the duck to make an attack and like kill someone because it's awesome so that's why i love golden age and you know bringing down the crazy is always helpful because and sometimes ramping up the crazy is great too i i really can go with both some people if, it, if it's a more casual setting some people try to break any format we play at all you know, they're just like, oh, we're playing golden, non-restricted, except for Felix Faust or whatever. What's the most broken thing I can make? I just think, what's the most funny thing I can do? You know, Howard the Duck is easily getting the Infinity Gauntlet. I mean, like, there's no ifs or buts around that. So I absolutely I absolutely love Golden Age. Let me play everything. I own all these figures. Let me play all of them. That's my favorite format. What about you, Simeon? Uh, golden is definitely my favorite. Um, I do occasionally like to bust out some modern stuff just to see if I've got that competitive kind of like ability in me uh spoiler i don't but i really like so humble this guy i really like the <laughs> i really like the ability to like go through you know i've just got these like stacks and stacks of boxes with old figures and i love to be able to like pull out trinity war superman and just like throw him on a justice league team because i still think he's like one of the best supermen we've ever got and he still holds up really well. I also like going all the way back to like Hammer of Thor and pulling out that super rare uh, Ultron that was in there. And even though he doesn't stand up to today's standards, maybe I like throw on some equipment that's newer. Maybe I like play him with like some some support pig, like pieces that'll uh, you know bump him up in stats so that he doesn't die right away. That kind of stuff. Um, plus, Golden Age just gives you this endless backlog, basically, of hero clicks. Uh, I, I shouldn't say endless, because there's a lot of bad stuff in Golden. Don't just go 
like hog wild and buy a bunch of golden age stuff assuming that you'll be able to play it in casual because there's a lot of bad stuff out there but there's also a lot of really good cheap stuff that you can pick up and you'll be able to have tons of fun with it because i still have tons of fun with like my old wolverine and the x-men stuff i have tons of fun with uh like fear itself which is older than it's not as old as uh wolverine no. and the x-men but it's it's pretty so old the, now. They're on the same. Uh, they came out around the same time. Yeah. And uh, the original Deadpool set is still oh, really oh, cool. If you love Deadpool stuff. If you like stuff. wacky stuff, like, hey, Deadpool uh, has Thor's hammer. You know, that's really, really cool. There's really cool duos in that set. You know, Wolverine X-23, Deadpool, and Bob. Like, you can go back, and pretty much, if it's carded, there should be about 10, I would say at least maybe 10 to 15 characters in that set that are absolutely, without a doubt, worth playing. If it is non-carded set, I would guarantee there are two figures in that set worth playing. Like, if we go to Infinity Challenge, you know, there's almost 200 figures in the set, right? I would say, I would guarantee, if we just take away the little easy 10-point figures here and there that are just good support, I would say there's absolutely, without a doubt, two figures worth playing. Fire Lord uh, is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, you know, that nightmare is one of them. And that's the only only oh, few sure. I could, like, 100%, without a doubt, recommend. You know, I know that Kang... Okay, Kang's actually really good, too. Anyways, now, now I'm starting to look through it, and I'm getting a little uh, off track here. But, yeah, if they have a printed 14 attack, they're definitely worth playing. Don't get me wrong. But, seriously, out of 200 figures, there's, like, maybe five in Infinity Challenge worth playing. Same thing with all the REV set ones. You know, if they're not random little lackeys or... You know, Metropolis Police, Gotham City Police, you know, just normal police or S.H.I.E.L.D. agents or HYDRA agents. They're normally not worth playing. And that's kind of a bummer, I know. And even a lot of carded sets that aren't Oreo. And even there are terrible carded sets that are Oreo, Guardians, you know, Galactic Guardians and Superman. That just, there's so many bad figures in those sets. Uh, so be a little cautious, but, you know, have fun. Even if it is bad, if you want to play that version of Batman or Superman or whoever, go for it. Yeah, and worst case scenario, like, let's say you grab, like, the best figure out of, uh, like, Superman Legion of Superheroes. I don't even know what that would be, but let's say you grab, like, the best one. If it's not a chase, at most, it's going to be, like, five bucks. Yeah. You're not spending a ton of money. Like, you're you're literally spending less than, like, a third of the price of, a, like, a booster on uh, most of this stuff. And... If it's good for, like, one night of fun, then, you know, that's good enough for me. Um, I can always just, like, set it on my shelf. That's another thing is, like, a lot of times I'll just grab figures because I love the sculpt. Or I yeah. don't have a version of that character. And once I get a version of that character and I've got, like, a cool sculpt, then it doesn't really matter if I play it more than two or three times a year. Um, I've got a, you know, Krang, Indisputed Ruler of Dimension X. And I've only played him about twice but i love that little brain inside the robot belly yeah. and so i'm gonna keep him forever yeah absolutely all right and so i think next thing speaking of like prices and stuff like that next thing we're gonna cover is gonna be next episode we'll go over how to buy stuff where to buy stuff how to trade where to trade and you know how to sell like the opposite of buying yeah some etiquette so, uh for how to uh be a good 
trader, seller, all that fun stuff. Businessman in the Heroclix yeah. community, if you would. Absolutely. And that ends this week's episode of New Clicks on the Block. All right, Simeon, what are we doing this week? What are we talking about? This week, we're talking about how to take this fun hobby that you like to play and how to make big bucks doing it. You're going to be rolling in the dough with all these winnings and all these prizes and all this stuff. No, no, that's not real. Um, At least as of this recording, you cannot technically... I know people will debate me on this, but you cannot be a professional HeroClix player. It uh, it can't happen. I can't make a living no off playing with little plastic superheroes and rolling dice? What? Nope, you can make money off of it, that's for sure. Uh, you cannot live off of it. Oh. You cannot support your family off of it. You will be homeless living in a shoebox with all of your clicks guarding you all night. But uh, let's get into what we're actually here for. Um... So this iteration of New Clicks on the Block, we want to talk about buy, sell, and trade. So you've got your starter stuff, you've got your your action tokens, and your uh, razor blades, and your dice, and uh, whatever else you need to play. And now you need you need to know how to play. So we covered that, and now you need to know how to get more of the figures that you want, how to get the, the really expensive ones, how to get the ones that are more powerful or really cool sculpts, all that kind of stuff. So with that, let's, uh, let's dive right in. Uh, let's go with buying first. Let's buy some Calder. Where I, do I you... have to, I have to buy product before I can sell product. I imagine. Anyways. Oh yeah. I mean, you could find stuff, but that's true. Anyways, uh, <laughs> buying is pretty simple. So you obviously have been to your store, you buy all those random boosters, you get bricks, you get your bricks from them and all that jazz. And you're like, hey, I don't need this super rare, this chase. And that is where the glory of having a surplus of things comes in. So brick and mortar stores are always great. Um, I always like to understand the prices of things before I buy them. Before I just go and look at my store's little glass case there, be like, oh yeah, I'll just buy the super rare for $80. Like, no, 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 let's let's slow down there, chief. Let's figure out the medium and what a good price is for this. So that is where we go to our good friend eBay, or Evil Bay, however you refer to him. Uh, I don't buy anything there. I just use it as a price checking guide. So if you are looking at getting a new chase or a new super rare or even an older one, it's important to look at the sold listing options in eBay. So it's pretty easy. You go ahead and type in hero clicks, blah, 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 you know, Captain America, Earth X, zero number, whatever. Be as specific as you want if you want to really refine the search. And then just go to sold listings. And I like to do about uh, the five or six, depending on how close they are in selling. If they all, they all sell within the same month or so, it's a fairly good range that this is the current price for that piece. And then I just like to find the medium between all of them. Like one's 25, one's like 32, you know. Maybe it's somewhere around the 27 $29 something range. Uh, that's basically what I do. I, I check eBay every time before I buy or sell anything uh, on the internet and i find that as a really great time and you can also find ebay listings that are cheaper and if they're buy it now options then absolutely jump on those that is always a great choice before you go ahead and do any miniature market uh selling at all so ebay check it out that's what i always always check before i buy anything research very important to save yourself some money yeah absolutely to go along with that i'd always say um i love 
supporting my local shops, but I will only buy the newest product for my local shops. I'm not going to buy their entire backlog at face value. Um, a lot of like local shops, you know, it'll be like this set has been out for over a year. They're still asking MSRP for it. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, nothing that I could possibly pull will be of this value. So, like, at a certain point, it becomes gambling. Yes. And so I love buying sealed product from them. I love buying cases and bricks when a set drops. If you like supporting your local shop, I suggest you do that. You, you know, enter their sealed tournaments. You uh, buy, like, stuff when it's newer. Once, like, so Heroclix as a whole is a diminishing return product. You, for the most part, whatever you put into something monetarily, you will not get out of it within the next two or three years. Um, some things hold value better than others, but it's really a loss that you're taking every time, and you just have to have the fun out of it. You have right. to get like pieces that you enjoy. You have to have the experiences that you want, and that's where your actual return comes in. You're not going to be able to sell a chase that you bought two years ago for the same price that you bought it at or more. That's just not happening. Right. So I suggest, uh, you know, if, you, if you're starting and you go into your shop and you're like, man, I'm just ready to buy some boosters, um, maybe don't, like, grab all the boosters from, like, Civil War that they still on, have on the shelf. Definitely don't buy all the Joker's Wild boosters they yeah. still have on the shelf. Um, you can pick up these pieces so... This is where we go into the, the other half of buying uh, the singles market. So you can pick up all these pieces on a singles market, and there's several different places where you can do this from. Um, but singles are almost always going to be cheaper in the long run than buying sealed product. Buying sealed product allows you to get trade fodder and stuff that you could sell, and lots of duplicates so if you want a lot of duplicates like i bought a ton of star trek to get tribbles i bought a ton of tmnt to get foot clan ninjas so if you want a lot of stuff like that it's great to buy sealed otherwise uh i think singles is usually the way to go um so calder what are your favorite places to buy from when we're talking singles we talk singles i always use cool stuff inc that is my 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 go-to uh, singles buy list. When you buy singles, it also has a reward tracker, which is like really super cool. Every time you make a singles order, you'll normally get a little bit of a discount on the next one you make, and obviously code dial five for five percent off your Cool Stuff Inc. order. But I always go to Cool Stuff Inc. for singles. Uh, I had a really just amazing um, even before I even did the show, way before I did the show, I had just an amazing interaction. I bought like a what was it? It was a resource, and I bought the Lust, the little Lust uh, relic, and it wasn't in there. And it's a little tiny, white, almost like see-through, itty-bitty relic. And I was looking in my box when I opened everything up, and it was like March, so there was snow outside. And I opened it in my car, and I'm like, hmm, I might have just dropped this somewhere, and I can't find it. But it's it's nowhere in the box, uh, and I also don't have the card. So I emailed them, and there was a tournament. I got this, like, on Monday. There was a tournament that Saturday I really wanted to go to. So I had – I just, you know, wrote them an email, like, hey, I don't think this came in my order. And they were like, yep, looks like it didn't. And they shipped it to me, like, so fast. And I got it there, like, Thursday. 
I was just super impressed. And just that uh, initiative and everything impressed me so much with Cool Stuff Inc. I've always just bought my miniatures from them uh, to this day uh, for singles. And also for singles, uh, if it's more of a trading uh, aspect of it, or I also do do a bit of buying here too. But on Facebook, uh, Facebook groups like International Exchange, uh, Hero, uh, <laughs> Heroes Players, Collectors Around the World, uh, Buy, Sell, Trade, etc., Pretty simple to find these groups on Facebook, but I do a lot of my singles buying on there. I kind of keep my PayPal cash as like Heroclix money for the most part when I sell something. And then I'm like, ah, well, I can buy this with my Heroclix money. There we go. You know, I will absolutely buy Sexy Lexi $50 shipped. Stuff like that. Uh, Facebook and Cool Stuff Inc. are my main uh, singles like areas to buy. Right. So I, I use Cool Stuff Inc. a lot as well. Um, I've always had decent like stuff shipped to me and like quality packaging and stuff. And, uh, they're usually pretty decent on the price. Um, if you want a better deal, you can always go on like the Facebook groups and kind of haggle with people, uh, maybe throw some trade stuff their way. And that's where we get into the other half of hero clicks. Uh, when you're just beginning, you probably won't have a ton of trade fodder, but you need to know what you're working with when you do. And so when it comes to trades, um, Calder already said, checking eBay is a great way. Uh, you see, like, they've got a Chase Odin, and you've got a Chase uh, Nebula. You're like, well, it's a Chase for a Chase. Not in Heroclix. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's not how it works, even if they're out of the same set. Uh, let's say you pull, you know, I pulled Chase Namor, out of the same set that someone pulled Chase Sheriff Steve or Sheriff Strange, I guess it was the Chase in that set. Uh, not a one for one. They're chases, same set. You gotta uh, add in a whole lot of the market value comes from playability and competitive aspects, and that might not be something that you get right away. It also comes down to is it a character that people really love? Um, that's another huge thing, you know, if it's like the only Thanos that we've gotten that year, price is going <laughs> to be a little bit higher. <laughs> is it the only, uh, we got a lot of Thanoses this year. Yeah. Um, is, it the, is it the only like Doctor Strange that we got? Uh, is the distribution off, you know, was there just like not a lot of these supermen floating around? And so not a lot of people pulled them. Different stuff like that can skew the prices. And so checking eBay you know, you see his Odin is worth $60, and your uh, Aquaman, Namor, or whatever you want to call it, whatever you're trading him is only worth 40 So maybe you offer that in, in trade, but then you have to throw in, like, a super rare or something to even the odds, or maybe just toss some cash his way as well. Um, that's a big aspect of Heroclix. The market is constantly fluctuating. Um, when... X-Men first dropped, Proteus, the green Proteus, the rare. He was probably going for like 30, 40 bucks. Uh, but a lot of people were murmuring about how he was going to get watch listed, how he was going to get eroded, and he did. And now I don't even know. I haven't even checked. But I just know that you definitely don't want to be sitting on eight of those now, like some people were at, a, at one point. Um, so I went from a figure that was real busted people really wanted to a figure that if you had more than one, you were doing something wrong kind of thing. And so that's something you need to watch out for. Um, when it comes to trading, there's all the Facebook trade groups. You 
need to post a picture. You need to list your wants or haves and what you're willing to like, you know, like pay if you're paying with PayPal or what have you. Uh, all the Facebook groups that I'm aware of that I'm in are simultaneous send. Uh, there is HeroClix trade feedback page as well, which you should also be on if you're on the Facebook trade groups. So when you have a good trade experience, you leave someone good trade feedback. They leave you good trade feedback. It helps people not question you because there's there are a few scammers out there, um, and it can also help you feel a little bit less uh, intimidated when you're trading like a big dollar piece with somebody online and. You know, they've got, like, zero trade feedback. Right. Maybe you just pass on that. Like, not advocating that you judge people on their trade feedback, but... Well, I'll It say, is definitely an indicator. Absolutely. Uh, keep that into consideration. <laughs> uh, I have gotten scammed a few times. I made some not very smart decisions, you know? Uh, so, absolutely. It's like, hey, man, is it okay if you send first? Some people are okay with that. Some people are totally okay with that. If you yourself have a lot of feedback, then I think it's okay to ask someone with like zero. If they have at least five or like something like that, you know, like, hey, you're just, you're new, whatever. I don't think you're going to just try to ruin me here. So I, I trust you enough. But if they have zero, I think it's fairly safe to be like, hey, man, look, I got like 20 something or whatever. You don't have any. Is it okay if you send first? And, you know, Normally, you know, someone with a bunch of feedback won't try to take advantage of you, and that happens. Uh, pretty obvious, like, signs of a scam is people uh, really trying to get the deal made really quickly. They want to yeah. scam you as fast as possible. They're constantly, whatever, sending you pictures like, oh, this, 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 or, like, whatever. Um, yeah, they're giving you a really, way better deal than Way better deal than normal. Would make sense. Uh, yeah. have, they have no feedback. You check their Facebook profile if it is on Facebook. See how recently it was made. That's also a pretty big indication. Uh, check, always, you know, even if they don't have any feedback, check that name and see if there's, like, any familiar names that might have said, like, this person scammed, whatever. You know, uh, I, I lost a Shumagorath on a deal one time. It was well after he was worth anything. But still, it kind of sucks so don't don't be in a you know whoa a big time rush to get things done you know sometimes like you know slow your roll be like hey man look could you send first is that okay it's it's a problem all right then I guess we're done here sorry have a good day yeah don't want to you definitely don't want to lose money and just send hero clicks to a, a random person and be like yeah I got nothing out of that very cool I hate it <laughs> yeah and to go along with this um as we so. Trading is the, I'd say that's the majority of what I do with HeroClix. I will occasionally try and sell, uh, but trading is my, that's my bread and butter. That's what I like to do. I don't really like the money aspect. I like being able to, like in Fallout, when you're like, you know, I'm going to give you like some bullets and like some gecko steak and here's like a couple bottle caps and you're going to give me that rusty old laser pistol. That's what I like to do. I like to give like a bunch of garbage for like <laughs> one thing that I really want. And that's pretty I mean, that is like you might think like you know, you've only got like this $5 piece, $4 piece, $6 piece and they've got a like $30 piece. But you throw enough stuff at them, sometimes somebody's like, "Hey, I'm missing at least like most of those pieces. That's a deal I'm worth making." So 
Um, and that really is a sometimes as well. A lot of people yeah. take a bunch of low stuff for one big high item. They'll normally want another big high item or to just sell it. I personally am a seller kind of guy. Um, I don't know why, really, because I use all of the money I, I sell just to buy more hero clicks, which is just basically trading with extra steps, you know? So That's how I used to do it, yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's what I kind of do a lot, too. And I think that is uh, good and fine. Yeah, I do like the little buffer that like selling and then buying kind of gives you. Um, and so when I when I say that about like you know throwing a couple like low dollar pieces at like a higher dollar piece, for the most part, just to like for the newer players, for the the most part, commons and uncommons will not be worth anything unless you have a full set of common uncommon right. rare you're not looking at a whole lot of money from those pieces. Uh, there's some rares that'll go for more, but, like, man, like, you better sell them as soon as that set drops because right. they are going down in price right away. Yeah. Um, so an additional place that you can trade other than Facebook is, of course, your local game shop, uh, especially around the time when the set's new. Again, when a set is new, prices are in, like, the highest amount of flux possible. So, I know when Avengers Black Panther Illuminati dropped, the Black Panther chase was, like, highly sought after for a good hot minute there. And then his price tanked right away when people realized there were some design flaws that he had. And he just wasn't the figure that, like, a lot of people were hoping he was going to be. Um, but if you're trading with a local person, um, definitely just... Check the price on the pieces anyhow. Uh, if it's a pre-release and there aren't any prices, um, you know, I personally, if you're a new player, I would suggest you just hold on to it for a bit. If you really want the piece that they have and you feel like it's fair, go for it. But I, I definitely hold on to it until you at least have some eBay listings that will give you like a little general idea of like, you know, is Kang title character Kang worth the same as Black Panther and eBay says no yeah. but you really wanted that title character Kang and I mean and there's don't definitely worry more... <laughs> you'll eventually get one yeah there's definitely more uh, lenience with trading in person like if they're good friends of yours I normally give my guy like a buddy price uh, I think I, I pulled a Captain Marvel at an event and I was like you know I could go through the whatever selling and shipping but someone's like I'll just give you a hundred bucks for it right there and I'm like yeah absolutely sounds good so like you know, giving someone a buddy uh, price sounds like a sounds like a Kevin Nelson move. <laughs> wow, that was wow, that was a really good guess of you, Simeon. Who'd have, who'd have thought? Thank you. That is a, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, but yeah, like, I just giving, know him too well. Truly, truly. Yeah. Oh goodness, but yeah, a lot of people will like trading um, a little bit within our local group. We'll just give each other the piece and like, I'll oh, worry about, you know, pay me back later. I know how much you want this. So, you know, there's a few figures I still need to get some trade stuff and pay back for. So depending on how, how good friends you are with the people at your venue, uh, people at your venue are also probably the best way to trade commons and uncommons and rares. If you like need to, uh, whether kids at your venues or even older people who are missing some generics or whatever, that's probably the best spot to do commons and uncommons, especially during pre-release. Um, 
if you know you're going to buy a ton of the set and just want to get rid of all your commons and uncommons that you really don't need for right now, uh, by all means, uh, that's like the easiest time to trade and get rid of commons and uncommons is during pre-release. So that was definitely uh, make the best of that opportunity along with pre-release is the most expensive time for ever anything. So if you really want to throw up the chase yep. you just pulled, absolutely go ahead and do that on the internet. That's just that's just smart smart business right there. Yeah, that's that's the prime time for like your highest trade value um, is pre-release. I around pre-release time, I know I'm buying a lot of like a certain product. I will trade pretty much my entire booster most of the time, unless it's got like something cool in it. I'll trade my entire booster for like that one generic figure that they have, just because I like having you know like 17 guard commands or 17 suited henchmen's or you know like 20 big Tonys or <laughs> he's not generic, but I still Basi- like 20. Basically of them. though. <laughs> yeah, so just like if you really want like the swarm kind of army thing going on, uh, it's actually fairly hard to get the generics later on. So if you can yeah. trade, like you know, you already have this rare, so you just throw them the whole booster and they give you the one. That's a fair trade to me because you know, give it three weeks time and that whole booster's worth that one piece anyhow. Basically. Um, so. When it comes to trading, um, so Facebook, in person at your local shop, great pl- great ways to do it. Uh, on your local Facebook community, if you can do Facebook like without having the shipping part, that's even better. Uh, another right. place is HC Realms, the iTrader. Um, you can post like what you have for trade. You can look through the current trades. You can have your haves and want list up to date, and you can search through stuff on whether someone wants is looking to trade a piece or whether they're wanting to keep a piece or whatever. You can search through that. You can send private messages. HC Realms is a... Uh, they do have a ranking system, and the higher rank gets the benefit of having their stuff sent to them first. So if I've got a score of 100 and you've got a score of 2... You are going to send to me first. I'm going to receive the package, make sure that everything's good and ready to go, kosher, and then I'm going to send you your half. So HD Realms is the slowest version. It's also got a little buffer of anonymity, and uh, there's just like there's a better reporting system to it. Uh, they have banned certain people or suspended people's accounts if they scam too often. So. HC Realms is a little bit more protected from that. Uh, the iTrader ranking, if someone has negative iTrader ranking within the last year, probably safe to just avoid them just to be safe because it takes quite a bit to get negative iTrader ranking. Um, if Basically, if you do get your product, it could like take them nine months to send it to you. But if you do get your product and the deal did go through, they have to get at least neutral at best. So it takes a lot to get a negative iTrader ranking on HC Realms. Um, to go with that, uh, when you're sending stuff, if you are trading through HC Realms, Facebook, anything, uh, even when you're selling, let's talk about packaging and how to do it effectively. This is 
huge we're not just magic cards here guys we have really amazing beautifully sculpted figures and we want that sculpt intact because that's the way we traded or bought that figure so when you ship something if it is a sculpt like a normal hero clicks figure is absolutely send it in a cardboard box uh, around the figure i like to use one of those gravity feed little plastic cases uh, put that around the figure put it in the cardboard box and then if you don't want to go out and buy a bunch of packing product um, you can use plastic bags as kind of cushion, uh, but if you buy stuff and just have, like, if you buy an Amazon thing or stuff from Cool Stuff, whatever, they'll normally seem like about a million packing peanuts. That is always good. You don't have to go out and buy bubble wrap. Most of the time when I sell something, I'm just repurposing old packing stuff from stuff I've already ordered or bought. Uh, so cardboard box, bubble wrap. You know, packing peanuts, whatever, and then, of course, the little plastic case to go over your figure is probably the best way to do it. Some people will wrap the figure in bubble wrap and then put it in the plastic case, which is also just another good layer of protection, depending on how weird the sculpt is and how breakable it may be. If it is a uh, Super Booster-style figure, make sure you have their Super Booster uh, case, the little plastic shell they have. That is absolutely huge. If you do not have one of those, maybe you bought it without it, uh, then just be really heavy on the bubble wrap. Uh, it's also very big. Um, normally, if you buy a bunch of figures, you'll have boxes. If you need to, uh, absolutely go out and buy these little card boxes, uh, either at your venue. They should have tiny little kind of cardboard box card boxes, or at Walmart, or a post office is probably the most expensive way to get these boxes. They're not the best there, depending on what your post office has, but Walmart normally has really nice or... Uh, like Office Depot or something, has really good of these little uh, foldable little card, white card boxes that are perfect for sending. The card, if you have card sleeves, absolutely use them. I know some people always send me card sleeves when I trade with them, and I always appreciate that. But I don't think it's the biggest thing in the world to not have a card sleeve, so don't feel too bad. So yeah, for sending a figure, that's what you absolutely should do. If it's an ID card, I'm pretty, like, this is in my opinion, an ID card or like a Mandarin ring or an object that's relatively flat and has no sculpt that could break off, uh, you should be okay in a bubble wrapper. Like, it's an ID card. I don't think it's going to get snapped in half anytime soon. No. So yeah. stuff like that, you should be fine skipping the box. But it's just packaging is really huge. Um, I bought a tape gun, one of those cool things that's got like a handle and you pull the tape along and it'll uh, you tilt it forward, it'll like rip the tape. I bought one of those. You can also get little handheld $3 ones so you don't like duct tape your boxes up. Uh, it's clear tape. I think I find that very helpful. Uh, most post offices have just a ton of shipping labels you can take for free. I took a handful at the start of the year and I'm barely halfway through them. I think I find those shipping labels very fun instead of just drawing right on the box. It makes it look very professional. So stuff like that, uh, that makes it the most effective way to ship things. And you want, you know, if you want to receive a product in good condition, you want to send it in good condition. And it's also very important because when you leave feedback, you need to take a picture of the product, make sure it's intact, and also the packaging, which is also huge when leaving feedback. Yeah. And uh, to go along with that, like the higher value the pieces, the better you're going to want to pack it. Um, so I've, I'll admit I've sent some real cheap stuff the real cheap way. Like I still put them in a box. And when Calder says a box, he does not mean a booster. He no, doesn't mean the no. sleeve that you pulled them out of. Uh, when he says cardboard box, it's the double walled, you know, what you would get from like Amazon. Like you've all gotten packages in the mail before. You know what kind of box packages come in the mail. A booster box is not a package that can survive the US Postal Service. And man, are there some horror stories about people that have tried. Um, 
But normally, the higher the value of what you're sending is, the more you're going to want to like protect it just to cover your end. You don't want the deal going sour. Uh, the person you're sending it to doesn't want it to go sour. You don't want that stress in your life. Believe me. Um, so, yeah, just uh, take your time when you're doing that. If you're making a lot of trades, make sure that, you know, double check. And when I say double check, I mean double check <laughs> when you're sending it to the right person. I've sent out uh, multiple things to the wrong person before. Um, and it's it's more of a pain than you want to deal with. But, yeah, just pack it nice. Uh, I was a professional shipping person for a long time and uh packed a lot of boxes in my day and there's definitely ways to pack that are better than others and i mean you just want to be one of the good ones you want someone to say like hey this guy did a great job he did me a solid he got this crazy sculpt with lightning coming out of its eyeballs you know to me without it breaking somehow and you know, there's a lot of fragile stuff in Heroclix. Oh, yeah. Um, a pretty there's a lot good of pieces in... that come to you broken, even. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and that tells you a lot. If WizKids, you know, their box within a box within a box somehow gets broken, I mean, this, these things aren't, like, you know, they're not metal cast. They are yeah. plastic that is held together with uh, more plastic, so... so. That is right. Uh, a good like indicator, if you think you need more packaging in your box, fold it up, don't tape it, give it a good shake. If it's really moving around a lot, throw a few more plastic bags or packing peanuts in there and kind of push down and make sure it's really just condensed. That's always a really safe bet. So, yeah, I think that about covers it uh, for packing. Yeah, so from that, I guess that, I mean, we covered that and that goes into like selling as well. So if you're selling something, you know, you're going to want to pack it up just as nice as if you were trading um you're not going to want to have to hassle with somebody wanting a refund or a partial refund because something came to them busted um putting cards in sleeves um if you don't have sleeves you will get sleeves through trading you will oh, definitely yeah, get sleeves sure. through trading uh but if you don't you can always fold a piece of cardboard in half put the cards in there and tape it and uh don't put tape on the cards, of course. Okay. But, I mean, with their no longer doing print and play, the cards are almost just as important as the figures sometimes. Uh, so, I'm not saying you have to take care of them like they're literal dollar bills, but, I mean, if it is a figure that's worth like $50 and your card gets soaked from the rain or it gets all bent up from shipping or whatever, you might have an angry customer and that's not the, that's not the way you want to put your best foot forward. So to tag along with packing, we'll go into sh selling. Um, best way to sell. I always say the first couple weeks that a set is out, that's the best time to sell. Um, if you are new just, I mean, that's basically it. If you're new and a set is new, that's the best time to sell is the first couple weeks that it's out. Um, there are certain figures that will shoot up in price. The longer the set is old, like this, the longer it goes on, uh, people will figure out what was actually good in the set rather than what they thought was going to be good in the set. 
but you're really going to like your bread and butter is that first couple weeks. It doesn't really matter what you're selling. If you throw it up with a price or if you throw it up as a trade, people will bite. They want that stuff. They want it early. They want it now. No, that is and that's 100% correct. Uh <laughs> Same thing with selling, just like we said with buying and trading, is checking eBay. When you go ahead and list your things, I normally like to check eBay, find the good mix of all of those, and then that is the price I will sell something at. Uh, all of the trade groups on Facebook have a, what is it, uh, no friends and family. So when you're selling through PayPal, uh, they have no friends and family, which means you are going to be stuck with the fee, which really sucks. I think it's super lame, but that is the way it be sometimes to make it the safest opportunity for everyone. So the easiest way to do that is to add a buck or two to your figure's normal price for the friends and for not paying friends and family. So for that fee, yeah, you're going to be stuck paying the fee, so just make the figure just a dollar or two more expensive so it doesn't really, you know you know, bum you out. And depending on how expensive it is, obviously that will go up and you'll always want to list the figure as whatever shipped. So when you say it's a shipped price, that means that includes shipping. Some people have a add $3 or add $4 for shipping. $3 is the most common, even though it normally costs about $3.50 to $4 to send a hero click. I always just see $3 as the most common, like shipping price on Facebook. That's what I ship for as well. And I think it almost always costs me more than $3 to ship anything. Uh, if it is like a neoprene map, uh, shipping should probably be at least 10 bucks. 10 to 12 dollars depending on how because those things are just really heavy uh so sending maps like that you're going to want them to be a little bit more expensive which just adds to the whole thing and then colossals should normally be upwards of six to seven dollars for shipping uh yep. just because they weigh more and that's just kind of the how things work in the post office so and yeah. that's Continental U.S. shipping. Continental uh, U.S. shipping, yeah. If it is international and you're trading or selling international, always say, uh, we'll calculate the international shipping. There's a very easy way to do that on the US UPS uh, site, stuff like that. And then you can go ahead and calculate, and like, this is what it's going to cost me to physically send this to you. So that plus the normal price, please. And then that normally is A-OK. Yeah, I've made a sale or two. Um, learned my lesson real quick, but I've made a sale or two. Uh, to someone internationally, they said, this is the price shipped. And I said, yep. And they said, okay, cool. Here's my address. And shipping ended up being like 12 bucks because it was overseas. And uh, it's a bit too late. I mean, if I was a mean, nasty person, I could have said like, hey, you didn't tell me you were in oh, one of these huge. weirdo <laughs> other countries. <laughs> no, Wait, uh, this isn't America. You know, like... <laughs> This is, this is not what I trained for. Tricky. What in the world? So, yeah, you're absolutely going to want uh, – be up – if you're buying this, this also goes for buying. If you're from a different country than they are, be upfront about it. Like maybe you can't tell or no. It's like it's easy to say like, hey, I'm in Canada or New Zealand or whatever. Is that okay? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. just shipping will cost a little bit more. You know, they'll still gladly sell you the piece. They just like they just need to know that shipping is going to cost more. Uh, is it okay if you pay me more for shipping so I can physically get it to you? That would be awesome. Uh, totally uh, not about that. Yeah, I'll happily trade or sell with people from like Australia, but it's got to be stuff that's going to be worth that thirty dollars shipping. Um, if it's like a single piece and it's like one super rare, I'm like, hey man, you got to like. You got to give me a big old list because we got to make this worth it. It's yeah. already going to cost thirty dollars. Weight isn't really going to be an issue at this point. We need to yeah. we need to bump up the numbers. Got to send more than just this little thing for it to be worth my time <clears throat> and filling out the big form and paying all the like yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. So personally, I prefer to sell on eBay. Um, I like that Ooh. buffer, the anonymity. I like not knowing who I am selling to because sometimes it honestly makes me feel bad if I'm selling to somebody that uh, like I've played before or somebody that's like somewhat local or something. And it's a piece. I mean, yes, they'll get it and it'll have my name on it when it ships to them. But I can't be the bad guy and sell for the full price if it's somebody that I know. And to get my best to get my best dollar out of the figures, I always go to eBay. Um, and eBay does take their charge. PayPal will then take their charge, and then you will also have to pay shipping. So if you list it as free shipping, then you're going to have to eat three different like charges. And to go along with shipping, um, I used to use stamps.com. This is not a plug for stamps.com. It's okay. a subscription-based service, and you can print out like U.S. postage. It'll give you the cheapest price that you can get on U.S. postage. You can type in the weight and the size of the box, and it'll show you the options. Um, even the cheapest option comes with tracking, and you'll always want to give the purchaser tracking or the person that you're trading to tracking. So that they, well, you and bo them both are going to want to know if this package is making it correctly. Um, but I, I used to use stamps.com. It's like a $12 membership each month, which is a little hefty unless you're trading a lot or selling a lot. But it, it really does save you a lot of time and money if you are somebody that's putting out like a high volume of trades or sales because you basically, you print off your postage you don't have to go anywhere you just stick it on your box with the stuff inside it you set it on your porch or in your mailbox your postman picks it up in the morning and that's it you're done uh, paypal works the same way if someone buys something from you and they do it over paypal on like a facebook trade group you can buy your postage on paypal it will save you more money than if you just drive to the post office um, don't ask me how it works I don't know why the middleman is cheaper than the direct source, but it is. Uh, the same thing that you pay at the post office will be like a dollar cheaper on PayPal or on stamps.com or on eBay. Like either one of those, all three of those is cheaper than actually going to the post office. Um, but that said, I have done a lot of trades and a lot of sales and gone directly to the post office. Yeah. Uh, it's, a fairly simple transaction they weigh it they make sure you have the right address and you sign off on it and you're good to go they give you a receipt with the tracking number you either send a picture of the tracking number or copy it and send that to the person that you're sending to and then you're done right. um pretty easy after all of that you just leave like leave your trade feedback leave your buyer feedback, seller feedback, whatever you got to do. And uh, I don't know. That's that's my favorite way. I like to sell on eBay. I like to trade on Facebook. I will trade on HC Realms. It takes a lot longer to go through on HC Realms because it's not the direct message route that Facebook has. Uh, if someone doesn't log on for two days, they don't have a notification until they log on. So that's kind of a bummer. But HC Realms is the safer way. It's also, if I have like a long-standing trade, like a big list of stuff, I usually throw it up on HC Realms before I post it on Facebook. 
That way, I've got it on both, and HC Realms will eventually get around to it. Um, I guess there, uh, to throw out another one, there is the Reddit Heroclix Marketplace. It's fairly inactive, but you will find the occasional person posting on there. Um, that's definitely another option. Uh, I would still... I don't know. I'd be hesitant because Reddit's another anonymous place, but there is no trade feedback on there, so you might ask for some sort of endorsement when you trade on there if you do go that route. Right on. Uh, just to kind of finish it up here, uh, like we were saying, getting rid of commons and uncommons, a great way to do that or get rid of rares and other things that you're having a really hard time selling is I like to sell stuff to CoolStuffInc.com. Uh, I... They have a huge buy list, and it's a fairly easy uh, service to use. And if you do store credit, they give you an extra 25%. It'll obviously be a little a little under to be a, kind of a lot under sometimes of what their going rate is because they're basically just like when you sell things to GameStop. Uh, they want to sell it at that for themselves, so they will pay you a little less. Uh, but if you do the 25% uh, trade-in sort of way, where you're just going to, like, the way I still think of it as Heroclix money for Heroclix money, uh, just like 25% extra for cool stuff in cash specifically, I do that. I did that to when I bought a entire collection one time. I basically sold that. Plus, they'll buy bulk, which is commons and uncommons, or bulk super rares and chases for 25 cents. Commons and uncommons are 5 cents. Uh, that with the 25% boost is very helpful in getting rid of stuff that you couldn't just move for a very long time. Besides that, they'll normally have a fairly uh, decent buy list where you can have a, just sell a ton of stuff. And you're like, look, it's easier to sell a bunch of this for a little bit less than having to piece it all individually and sell it to people later. Uh, so that is always an option. So check that out. Buy lists and stuff like that are pretty huge. Uh, if I just don't feel like dealing with people... <laughs> And cool oh, yeah. stuff is great because if they pay you and not uh, you, you don't choose to do the um, store credit thing, they will send you PayPal and it'll be friends and family, which is really awesome. I really appreciate yep. that. So that's always really cool. Yeah, uh, I prefer I do prefer the store credit because that does count towards your ever expanding uh, discount. So if you get the store credit and then you buy more singles with that store credit, it will count towards that discount. Uh, they have different tiers depending on what you've spent. I think it caps out at like 15% off, but that's pretty big. Like 15% off of like all their singles, like just like, you know, bar none kind of thing is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that's definitely an option. Um, that's usually like my last ditch kind of effort or for like the cheaper stuff. Uh, if I am selling a lot of stuff, I'll usually pick out the more expensive pieces first, see if I can sell those online and then send the rest to cool stuff or um, just give them away. There's a lot of... I've given away a lot, lot, lot of commons and uncommons and rares in the last couple of years. Right on. Well, that's really about all I have. Yep, I think that wraps it up for this week. Um, I, I think if, you know, if you're ready to get into the game, this probably isn't your biggest obstacle but it's definitely something that's going to come up soon um, right buying selling trading uh oh and then one thing that we really i don't I, I don't know if i marked on it enough but i did say uh hero clicks is a like it's a diminishing return so keep that in mind when you're getting stuff 
if you want to turn it for like if you pulled a good chase and you want to sell it you got to sell it right away um it's not going to be worth the same as it will be within like two years uh, occasionally a chase will go up in price within the first couple months but usually it only goes down um and then other than that i think that goes a lot with buying if you're looking at some piece that's like a new chase and you're like man i really want that like when ultra chase thanos for first popped out there were some that were selling for 500 400 bucks all over the place um now he's going for about 200 so that's still a ton of money especially to a new player that probably sounds crazy but that's a 300 dollars difference from you know only a couple months so yeah definitely wait it out wait out the heavier pieces that you really want um you might end up waiting until they've already rotated and they're no longer modern that's fine if it's just a figure that you really want, but you don't want to spend the money. Uh, I'd always suggest doing that. Patience is is the key to victories. <laughs> like, kind of to quote our, our good friend Cap from Homecoming again, but patience really is the key to victory when it comes to saving yourself the most amount of money when buying hero clicks. New Clicks on the Block, Episode 4. We're going to call this one Competitive Compound, or we're going to talk about breaking into the more competitive side of hero clicks once after you've been playing for a while you're wheeling and dealing you have bought all your hero clicks you have played and experienced play and know what it's like kind of the ins and out of the game you have all the powers memorized and everything and now you want to start playing competitively and if you think you got what it takes well got what it takes well then here we are to give you a little bit of help to usher you in along your competitive path uh simeon yeah so we have a pretty thriving community in Omaha. Um, it's split between a couple different venues, but overall we've got about 20 active players at any given time. Um, and we had a newer player. He had been coming into like the venue for a couple months. He was starting to build like fairly competitive teams, um, but nothing that was really like what I would. Someone that like I like me who pays attention to build lists online. And looks at like tournament standings and like what's doing well and stuff like that. He wasn't building like that kind of caliber. He was just building like more kind of casual competitive teams, which is fine. It's fine to uh, to broaden your horizons like slow steps. He decided to come to like one of the local WKOs, and I hadn't realized that, that he was coming until I saw him there, and so I didn't have any chance to give him a forewarning. But he just, he was so devastated at the end. And he was like, man, like, I didn't know about Colossal Retaliation. I didn't know about these ID card things. I didn't know about, like, this figure and that figure. I thought that, like, this team was going to do really well. And I just got, like, stomped every game. And so I just, you know, I kind of went over a few things with him. And was like, you know, like, don't get too discouraged. Because... As a new player, like you're not gonna win your first tournament ever. Uh, it just doesn't happen. But even on top of that, like you really want to like have fun, no matter what kind of level of com- competition you're playing at. Otherwise, you're just gonna stop playing the game altogether. I feel. So with that, Calder, what are what are some tips? Uh, so I think the first thing you need to do uh, when you start playing competitively is to change your mindset a little bit. This isn't just, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, you know, blah, 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 blah. 
like whatever. Uh, for the longest time, my mindset towards competitive was I can't just have a team of a good attacker, a secondary attacker, support, whatever. And because I was looking at builds online, I'm like, I've got to have some kind of gimmick. And this is true and not true. Um, it really depends what the scene is like at that time. So the first thing you need to do is be aware of what's being played on the table. Uh, I think right after Thor came out, I built specifically um, not like Unimind builds, but I built something that would somewhat counter Unimind. Like that was like, if this team can beat Unimind, it can probably beat any team. Now that was two years ago three years ago, whatever. Uh, so it was a little different, but you you just need to have that in mind. You need to know what's being played. So you need to know about all the stuff we're about to list off to you. You need to pack some of that on your teams, um, but you don't necessarily have to net deck everything. So you don't have to be like, look, that just won something. I'm going to buy exactly what that guy played, and then I'm just going to play it. You have to understand uh, how the team works and all the ins and outs, because although that guy played it and won with it, there's another 10 guys that played almost the exact same team that didn't win. Uh, so that's there's just a lot of stuff you understand. Net decking in Heroclix doesn't totally work the same as it does in other games. Just because you have a team full of good figures doesn't mean that it is going to work. So you need to first find what you want to play, and you need to practice it a ton. Knowing the ins and outs of your team, whether or not it is an amazing team or not, uh, will give you a better edge than just playing something that you think someone else thinks is good or one with uh just being very knowledgeable about what everything you can do that's the toolbox not having pick a power is the toolbox and adapting to every situation but understanding everything your team can do that's that's the real key and mindset that you need to have is practice 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 uh know what the field is going to look you're never going to know exactly what you're going to play each time it's physically impossible, but you need to have a good understanding of what the current competitive field is and what you need to kind of build around. For sure. Um, and like with that, there's there's plenty of things that you can expect depending on like what level of play you're at. Um, to go along with like knowing your team, know your reach, uh, which is, you know, do you have a TK on your team? If you're playing competitively, you probably should have access to TK in one way or another. Um, do you have, like, sidestep? Can you carry? Can you, uh, like, charge, running shot? What's your range when you do that? Different stuff like that. Um, if you're doing, like, an ID battery team, which is one of, like, my least favorite builds that has ever spawned out of ID cards, uh, if you're doing an ID battery team... A lot of that comes down to, like, where are you placing the guy who's able to call in? Because that's, like, just as important as the figure that you're calling in, is if he can call them in in, like, a good spot. Because they're limited to the five squares they can move out, and, you know, different stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think knowing your current, like, team's, like, range, being able to take a hit on turn two... So, like, if you're building a team and you're like, all this equipment's great, turn one, I'm going to move up, turn two, I'm going to equip, like, you're already wrong. Like, yeah. I, that's fine for casual, because no one plays, you know, like, no one plays a bunch of ID cards and uh, Alpha Strike stuff in casual, but if you aren't equipped on turn one in, co like, competitive stuff, you're probably not equipped at all, because uh, with the TK rules... Being able to like make a TK attack without a target, 
that means I can call in like a Jean Grey and destroy your indestructible object turn one. Uh, it does not have first round immunity. I can I can just like call in Cyclops and blast Exospecs from like eleven squares away because Perplex is super cheap in the game. Um, different stuff like that. So definitely be prepared to lose if you're starting out and definitely know your team. I think a a worse team, like a less well-built team that's been practiced more and like you've got your formations down, you've got like your movements down, you've got your first turn down. A team that like has been practiced more will still beat out somebody that's playing a better team and has no idea what they're doing with it. Right. So definitely, definitely practice. Um, so getting into, let's go into what require what requirements you have going into like the competitive scene. Uh, and for now, when I say uh, just clarity's sake, really quick, I'm just gonna say we're gonna talk about 300 modern, uh, not popper or anything else. Just this is just specifically 300 modern competitive. Sorry, <laughs> I should have made that a little right. more clear in the beginning. And uh, going forward, WizKids may make a change to that, but. Uh, it's been like the case for HeroClix competitive for as long as I can remember. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at least for, as far as what WizKids does, their worlds and nationals outside of sealed, it's almost always going to be 300 modern competitive. Um, so things that you need to get, keep an eye on. Let's say your local, like if you're like me, your local venues, you don't play a lot of ID cards. You hardly play retaliators. Um, you probably just kind of throw your figures towards like the middle without like counting out your opponent's reach. These are things that you're going to have to like watch out for. Um, you're going to want to get your hands on all that stuff if you can. Uh, so I think, a, I think a solid requirement in today's meta and 300 modern is the ID card. Um, and not just any ID cards. You're going to need access to, some of the more volatile ones you want, like your Cyclops, your Jean Grey, your Iceman, your ones that have like range potential. Um, Wolverine's still not a bad option, um, and they're going to be. Some of them are going to be rotating out, so it'll be dropping down to what I consider like the cheaper options coming soon. So that is a good thing. Um, and to go along with these being a requirement. Uh, you can ask around your locals, but there's also uh, the HeroClix Mooching House on Facebook. So if you're going to like a big event and you think other people are going there, if you go to the HeroClix Mooching House uh, or Mooching, I don't know, page on Facebook, you can ask people if they have these things to borrow. Uh, that way you're not shelling out, you know, like 200 bucks for figures and ID cards for one event because that's that gets like really costly right away. Um, another requirement is retaliation. Calder, what do you want to tell us about retaliation? So retaliation is is huge. All right, both physically and yet kind of not in the same point because <laughs> how how little uh, space they take up on your team, despite being humongous. There are teams that are very retaliation heavy. Uh, so retaliation is not only big for adding a lot to your theme, if you have like a monster cosmic style theme team, uh, but retaliation basically says, 
uh, no you to your opponent for just playing the game. Uh, the, the aim of the game is to take out your opponent's force, and this punishes your opponent for just playing the game. So it's <laughs> it, it kind of sucks, but you absolutely need to have it because it gives you a free attack against your opponent just for hitting you. And you want to have as many attacks against your opponent, obviously, in a turn. So retaliation is big, mostly because of all those reasons I stated. Uh, but also, they're physically big. Sorry, I shouldn't make the same joke twice. Let's, we're, being <laughs> we're being slightly more serious on this And episode. to be fair, like, uh, it's a huge... It's a huge return on your points investment. Yeah. And points is something that, when you're getting into the competitive, you're really going to have to care about. So, let's say your local venues, you're used to playing, like, 400, 500. Yeah. Maybe even, like, the odd, like, 300 or, you know, 600, whatever. And you're used to just kind of throwing teams together, like... Here's a Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. I like playing the Trinity. You're going to have to get really tight on your point spending yeah. when it comes to building these teams because the difference between a 30-point retaliator and a 20-point retaliator is 10 points. And that 10 points can be two ID cards. It can be three student ID cards. It can be an equipment that makes the difference in your match. Um, it's also point denial is also a big part of competitive uh, do I want a a 30-point retaliator that a lot of people will be prepared for and be able to take out right away? Uh, I mean, if you if you can't take that loss on your team, then maybe you don't want that on your team. Um, if you're right. playing, like, Dark Phoenix on an X-Men theme team and you put them on the right map and she retaliates and she KOs, like, two figures in her retaliation and now she's healed up two clicks off of her stop click. Uh, great investment for 30 points. Some would say broken investment for 30 points. Um, but, yeah, tons yeah. of retaliators to look through. And There's... retaliators aren't just people that are just going to be whoop, warped over to one side of the map, make an attack, and then just probably die next turn. They are blocking for lines of fire. If you know your opponent can't see through characters or giants, you go ahead and slap those guys in front of you. If you think you can take the 10 or 30 points to kill them to keep the rest of your guys safe, that's fine. A lot of retaliators have different uses. Tri-Sentinel, uh, Mangog, all of those guys can do things besides just their retaliation thing and just hit other giant people. Groot gives you pogs and tie-up pieces, you know. Don't just look at them and just keep them in the back the whole time. Look at what else they can do. If it's effective for your action economy and everything, retaliators are more than just one-trick ponies most of the time. Yeah, and if they have a standard power on their dial, like Outwit, Perplex, Prob, that's free to use. The only restriction that retaliators usually have, not always, but usually have, is that they can't attack characters smaller than them if they started on that click. So a Colossal can't attack an, a giant or a standard character or a tiny character. Um, there's certain retaliators that don't have that restriction, and there's certain retaliators that are standard size, so of course they don't have that. Um, usually you won't play those, or you won't see those played as often, but there's still uh, a free attack where you can like yank somebody over there, and then we've got all these really cheap X-Men call-ins. You can pop somebody over somewhere with a retaliation and then power action call in somebody and do even more damage or if they have a colossal you can retaliate and then 
punch their colossal with your colossal or run your colossal back across the map so they don't get destroyed right away uh, tons of options with retaliators but definitely a need to have kind of requirement in the current state of the meta um, for sure and one of the big reasons to have ids is to counteract retaliators if you don't have a character on the board after the attack's been made then there's nothing to retaliate on so that's one of the main reasons you run an ID. You call in a Cyclops, you shoot at Mangog, you miss. Cyclops sidesteps away, and now he's off the map. Even though Mangog was attacked, he can't retaliate. And let's be honest, no one wants to get Mangogged. It's, it's no, awful. That, that can end your entire game in one turn. Mangog will hit you once, yeah. blah, 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 and hit you again. That your, was a really fun your game. Your whole team taking hands. seven damage, yeah. Um, so... From retaliation, uh, I want to talk about points a little bit. Uh, I mentioned it already, but you want to be—you really want to be careful with how you spend your points. Um, it's not something that you're going to get right away as a new player, and I would tell you to look more into other builds and kind of build off of other builds right away rather than trying to build your own stuff from scratch. I'm one of those people that hates running something that they've seen ran before. So, like, if I've seen people doing, like, Vulture, unless I've got a really unique Vulture build, I'm not going to do my own, um, and I'm not going to do theirs, you know. If, uh, let's say, Blackbird gets really popular, and it's, like, four Wolverines and Blackbird or something silly like that, I'm not going to do that build. I'm going to I'm gonna do something that probably doesn't win, because that's just my mentality. So... <laughs> My suggestion is to not be like me, to uh, just, you know, pick and choose. Like, you see a team that, like, seems interesting. You're like, oh, I like that mechanic. I like the synergy that, like, these two characters have. Take that build. Maybe use that exact build. Maybe use a variation of it. Mm. But when you get down to, like, the last, like, 20, 30, 50 points, even the last, like, four or five points, you really got to, like, realize, like, this game does it does come down to these like tiny minutia little details. So games are won and lost by like five or six points. Some games have been lost by three points before because like, you know, you called in a student ID and you took a chance and it didn't pay off for you. Now that opponent has three points up on you. And if the game ends right then and there, if it runs the time, then that's just it. They win by three and a win's a win in this game. So, uh, so that's a that's another big thing that we should say. Uh, timed games, when they call last action, that means if there was a declared action, you may finish it. If your declared action was like sidestep, then yeah, you get a finish sidestep, but nothing happens afterwards. Yeah. If your last action was I'm gonna running shot targeting this guy, you get to roll your attack. They get to roll their defense. Um, and that's the end of the game. And that's it. Uh, you don't get yeah. You don't get your whole last turn, and it no, really sir. sucks. No, sometimes. sir, absolutely not. Um, so yeah, to me, the there are two of the scariest things in the world. Playing isn't your opponent or what they have on their team. It is the map that you are on and the clock. Those are the most terrifying things to me in any competitive game, which is why I kind of urge everybody. This is why it's really important to practice your team and know your team. Uh, it'll help you play faster. Um, if you are hum and hawing all on your turn, your opponent is <laughs> is going to get a little miffed, 
And trust me, some people can start yelling at competitive tournaments. It, it happens before, and your goal is to get out of it, not traumatized. I'm not selling it. I'm sorry, guys, but that's kind of the way it is sometimes. I've never had anyone yell at me for taking too long, but that is because I, for the most part, try to play as quick as possible because you need to know all the actions you need to do on your turn, and just you know knowing the ins and outs of your team is huge. And then positioning also the map is terrifying, especially if you don't win it or if your opponent knows really how to position a well-rounder. And there's not a lot I can say about positioning in an audio form, <laughs> so it's good to depends watch Depends on uh, too videos. many teams, yeah. Yeah, it depends on way too many teams knowing you have to understand, you know, you don't have to be a guy who takes out your little tape measure or whatever and checks the line of fire for each and every single spot wherever you may be and, you know, put it under your opponent's, hey, can I touch your figures really quick and testing all of their line of fire kind of have a good idea of that, you know, do it once or twice. Don't don't go crazy on it. But understand what's safe and what's not and the terrain and what they can do to ignore it, you know, pay attention to their sideline and all of this. It's a lot, but you know, you just you have to know. Yeah, for sure. Um another thing when it comes to like running to time, it's so I won't use this tactic cuz like I just I'm in it for the fun. I don't really care if I win. Um, but even in competitive, like the best I do in competitive is when I have a team that I can throw towards the middle and then just like slug fest it out. Uh, I'm not really one for like tactics. Is that the word? I, I've never looked it up before. Um, I'm not great at, you know, strategy or uh, thought process. It's, it's mostly rolling dice for me. Um, you're really making me want to but, take your advice right now. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? This is for beginners. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is it isn't against the rules and it's not even against what I would say competitive like mindset to take your points and run. If you've spent like two turns taking out like a hundred point figure, let's say they've got, you know, they've got the undertaker and you spent two turns just whittling him down and you get him KO'd, there is no problem with you just taking your entire force and backing it up and trying to, like, you know, safe get face. into, like, a more defensive position. Yeah, get into, like, a safer, like, you know... There's no problem with that. Because now your opponent is down by 100 points. They've got to come to you. They've got to bring the fight to you. You're not staying out of the fight. You're just taking up a more defensive position and they need those points back, otherwise they lose at the end of the time. Um, like I said, it's not something I will do. Um, I really have a hard time running away from battles. Like, I don't know why I will sit there as I'm, like, slowly losing every turn, like, missing every shot and just losing, like, this battle completely. Uh, I'll start off, like, ahead and end up, like, you know, losing because that's just, like, the weird way I play. But... No, there's, uh, it's a perfectly acceptable tactic. It is. Uh, and don't feel too bad about it either. If there really is absolutely no safe way for you to attack, or, you know, if, if you just, like, go out, get points, and then totally pull back, you know, there, there's a difference between that and being like, I really have no physical way to safely attack this Nimrod. I'll just die if I try to do it, but instead I can play it safe. Or whatever, any scenario, you can really insert anything. Nimrod was just the first thing that came to mind. Because it would literally kill you to attack the guy, and you would lose the game because of that. So, if you have a better way around a situation, there's 
there's no faulting you for that. You know, it's a tactical retreat is a very real thing that a lot of people have to do a lot of the time. Yeah. And we can't get into all the tactics that you would use in like a typical, more competitive environment. It will be more like your casual events than like if you're prepared for it, it'll be more like a casual game yeah. than you'd expect. It's not that different. It's really like if it's only striking if you have no idea what ID ID cards and what retaliators are, then it's going to be really strikingly different to you. It's like a completely different game. But um, so there's steps to get a little bit more competitive. Um, I say like look at like successful builds. Uh, follow some. You can like follow like the Majestics thing. I don't pay for it, but I yeah, hear no. that you can. Uh, <laughs> HC Realms does put like tournament like postings up. Um, you can find them on Facebook. You can find them on Reddit. You can you can just ask around. Really, it's pretty easy to see like who wins and who doesn't. Uh, a lot of places, a lot of local places, were will post their own tournament um, standings at the end of like their tournament. Uh, aside from that, I think you already hit on maps. Yeah. The reason why maps are really good is there's stuff like hedge maze and a mock time, and like you got to figure out like is your team range heavy? You're gonna want to be on like an open map if it's really good at range. Uh, is it really want to be like close up and doesn't want to get picked off before it gets closed up? You want to play something with a lot of blocking that's probably indoors so they can't shoot over it other than that uh i think the biggest thing is just practice yeah it really is yeah there's no substitute for just putting in the time and places you can do that are roll 20 if you get on the roc discord which I think if you just search ROC Discord, or if you just go on Facebook and message some people, like people know where it is. Um, the ROC Discord probably has the largest community of people willing to play on Roll20. Yeah. And it's just hero clicks on a computer screen, and it takes all the fun out of the game, but it's a great way to practice. Yeah, uh, no miniatures, no dice, none of that. Uh, they have yeah, uh, the, an input the for dice. Things. There is helpful videos on how to run Roll20. Mr. Clixflix and I did a video on it, uh, as well as Happy Little Hero Clix has a few videos about Roll20 if you want to learn how it works. If you're not good with technology like I am, you know you might want to watch those and give yourself a little refresher. Not really a refresher, but just learn how to do something new entirely. Yeah, and uh, Happy Little Hero Clix has a ton of Roll20 tournament and gameplay videos. So if you're if you're one of those people that's just really nervous and you don't want to like you know don't want to offend somebody with how new you are to the game, go ahead and watch a couple of those, and you'll get kind of like the like you know the commands that you type like slash roll space two d six right and it'll roll two d six for you. You can you can watch him do that. You can watch how he like places stuff, how he sets up the game. You can do different stuff like that. Um, if you're somebody that just prefers to like learn on the go, just jump into the ROC server on Discord. Yeah. And there's plenty of people ready to play at almost any time of the day. So. Absolutely. Other than that, um, do you have any other competitive 
Just kind of a... uh, one quick thing. I, I still play the game competitively how I play it casually, and that is I want to play characters I care about and figures I like. And I'm not going to play characters I don't care about just because they're good. I will never play Unimind because I don't know who that big stupid snot booger monster thing is. I don't care about him. You can play characters you like and still maintain a competitive aspect as long as you practice it a lot. You know, that's why I like Earth X Cap. He is still a very solid figure. And then I just team him up with a bunch of stuff that I may not like as much. But as long as Captain America gets to shine through, I'm okay with it. You know, things change. Things rotate out. For the most part, you should still be able to play either a character you like or at the very least a team style that you enjoy playing. You know, just because it's competitive doesn't mean it's not fun. It can still be tons of some of the most fun I've had is playing competitively, believe it or not. And that is okay because I can still play all the figures I like. The first time I ever played was a Lex Luthor team, but that's because he was kind of a more competitive figure at the time so look at your options and even if they aren't super great i've seen people do amazing with figures i would have never said uh would be on a regular competitive team so it really shows that you know at the end of the day hard work and practice pays off the most uh more than anything at all yeah for sure and to go along with that um if even if you're not playing like the figures that you love Make sure you like have fun while you're doing it, because there's no reason to spend five hours slogging away just to have like an awful time at the end of the day. Um, if you're not having fun, change the game up a bit. You know, say like this round, like I know like this team isn't doing as well as I thought this round. I just want to kill like one guy. I just want to kill one opposing character, and make that your new goal. And you know. Make your own goal for yourself. It doesn't matter what your tournament standing is. Just uh, make sure that it's not like soul-crushing at the end of the day. Because competitive stuff, believe it or not, can it can really get to you. Like it can just like drain, like crank your anxiety up to eleven, and oh, yeah. it can really drain oh, you out throughout the day. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's no reason to uh, drink water. Please drink water. Oh, yeah. Go to the bathroom in between games. Drink water. Bring bananas, uh, granola bars, protein bars, something to eat. Please take care of yourself. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, also, wear deodorant. Please, please oh. wear deodorant. And one, yeah, one big thing: read your opponent's cards, uh, fronts and backs. Because you, you can, can do that now. You can do that now. Um, and there's no reason not to, even if your local game venue doesn't do it. Absolutely. I mean, I would always read the front of a card if you're not familiar with what the character does. No reason to let them slip something by you if yeah. they don't need to. And uh, taking a peek at the back of the card and just making a mental note of like, all right, he gets really bad on like click four. I might not be able to KO him in one attack, but if I can hit him to click four, you know, I'm going to be okay. Like, that's a completely reasonable thing to do now, so... Even if your local guys don't play that way, feel free to at any competitive event. Absolutely. And that, I would say, is a pretty good place to end uh, the final episode of New Clicks on the Block. Thank you guys so much for taking the journey with us. Uh, if you're new to HeroClix, I truly hope that you have a long HeroClix community and uh, career ahead of you. And that you really, no matter what you do and decide to do, have a fun time playing the game. Because after all, that is what it's all about. And with that, 
will say Dial H for Hero Clicks is brought to you by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day, including all the latest Hero Clicks singles and sealed products. Check them out at CoolStuffInc.com. Happy trails.